Hello and welcome to the latest edition of China Inc. by Bamboo Works, where we discuss the latest business and financial news from China and what it all means. I'm Doug Young, Bamboo Works editor in chief, and I'm joined today by Rene Vangustine, one of our founding partners, who's also a longtime China watcher and former investment banker. Today we'll take a look at price wars heating up in China's auto sector. And we'll also look at the China Hong Kong Stock Connect program, which is expanding its effort to lure more Chinese and international stocks to list in Hong Kong. We'll start with auto price wars. This story has been building up since the start of the year, as China's sputtering car market has grappled with growing inventory of unsold autos. Most major automakers have jumped on the discounting bandwagon since then, with China operations of Volkswagen and Tesla, as well as domestic giants like Dongfeng and BYD, all joining in. Now, China is certainly isn't the only country subject to this kind of price war, though it does seem like they break out here more often than in other places. In this case, the landscape is also a bit different because China's auto market is so fragmented compared to the West. So, Renee, how do you see this price war playing out, and and do you think there might be any major casualties here? I think somebody's going to get hurt.、Um, that's、uh, that's my view.、Uh, not very quickly, but eventually, if this keeps going the way it is going now,、um, it is a very fragmented market. There are way too many car manufacturers in China, even if. You don't make any comparisons with the West,、um, but if you know, if you look back at what happened in the U.S. and and in Europe, but particularly in the U.S., you know, pre-COVID there used to be price wars fairly constantly. They were not advertised or they were not necessarily <laughs> viewed as you know big price wars or whatever, but they took the form of cash incentives and rebates and this and that. That for some of the big, for pretty much the three big manufacturers in the U.S. for General Motors and Chrysler, you know, went on over years and years and years,、um, and、uh, they all seemed to be, you know, pretty happy pushing discounts and and、uh, pushing out volumes over profitability. COVID changed that interestingly in the U.S. and particularly the supply and in Europe as well. Particularly the supply chain shortages and so on. And if you look at the if you look at the market in Europe, car prices from the manufacturers they're standing up pretty well at a very high level compared to before. And nobody so far, at least, has seemed in a mood to cut prices, at least not in meaningful ways. The、uh, mindset has changed、um, primarily towards profitability as opposed to sheer volume.、Um, you may have read that Volkswagen actually lost its crown as、uh, the largest seller of、uh, cars and automotive vehicles last year, after a few years of being the number one. And、uh, this is what、uh, what I hear、uh, more and more across the whole industry. In Europe and in the U.S., that、uh, right now manufacturers are focused on profitability. So、mm. that's very different from what is happening in China.、Um, China has a history of overcapacity in a lot of industries at some periods in time that、uh, obviously lead to、uh, price wars and companies losing money. 
is it going to change? Uh, well, there are two ways typically in a market like China that change can come. One is in a more capitalistic way. Uh, some manufacturers get sent into oblivion because they're just bleeding cash and they can't continue to finance their losses. Or the state uh, steps in and forces companies to behave. Now, the, um, the Chinese government, as powerful as it is, has tried that before in the steel industry and the cement industry, and they could never really bring a lot of order economic circumstances eventually took care of excess capacity. So I would suspect that as far as the car industry is concerned, that's what's going to have to happen. That some of the manufacturers, I'm not really suggesting the bigger ones, but some manufacturers are going to have to, um, to go away, hmm. to close, to merge, to whatever. But capacity and uh, inventories and so on are going to have to come down and manufacturing capacity is going to have to be rationalized. Right. Now, it's interesting because this obviously happens at the time of transition between traditional engines and uh, an electric drive train. So uh, there's that other aspect to it that uh, you don't see so much in the U.S. because the mar and in Europe because the market is much more focused on profitability. In China, I would assume, I think that uh, amazed me when I was in China for about three weeks is that I saw quite a number of electric car brands that I had never heard of. Hmm. And uh, one one of the reasons for that is that traditional a lot of traditional manufacturers decided to go into electric vehicles as well, and uh, so everybody's been trying to get in there, and it's getting crowded, and uh, there's just going to be too many players. I would suspect that the newer players, because they are much more technologically advanced and so on, you you know look at Xiaopong. Uh, you look at Lee Auto, Neo, and so on, not to mention Tesla, obviously, that uh, that they will survive. Some other companies will not. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's actually interesting. Now that you raise that point, it's sort of we've gone from, you know, about a dozen sort of big SOE uh, state state owned enterprises to, you know, even more. It's it's sort of the needle's moving in the opposite direction that it needs to go. Uh, you know, we're getting more players because all these new EV companies are coming in. Uh, right. You, you, yeah, you don't really see that. I mean, you see Tesla, I guess, in the West, but not that many others. All right. Well, I guess uh, consolidation maybe will come come someday, but uh, not anytime soon. It will have to come. But yeah, China being China, it's always the same thing. It will take time. Okay. Well, let's move on uh, to our next topic, which is the Hong Kong... China Stock Connect program, and that's the program that allows mainland China-based investors to buy Hong Kong stocks and, and vice versa. Now, this program is pretty old. It goes all the way back to 2014, but it was in the headlines recently uh, when it launched a big expansion, allowing foreign companies listed in Hong Kong to participate. Now, this inclusion of foreign companies is a big milestone, giving mainland Chinese investors access to names like French cosmetics maker... Lockitan and suitcase maker Samsonite, which are both listed in Hong Kong, even though they're not Hong Kong companies. But uh, trading in these stocks by mainland investors was relatively muted in their first week in the program. 
Why do you think that is? And, and do you think Chinese investors will eventually develop a taste for French cosmetics and U.S. suitcases? <laughs> yeah, I think it's normal that there is not much going on there. First of all, if you look at uh, L'Occitane, that is not exactly a household name in China. And uh, Samsonite might be a bit more because so many people travel, although <laughs> I have very little knowledge about which kind of luggage they buy. But, you know, those are not particularly exciting foreign brands or foreign <laughs> stocks to, um, to buy. Right. I'll give credit to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange to, you know, try and uh, generate growth whichever way they can think of when they wake up in the morning. But uh, this is not going to cut it for them. I mean, this is, this is not a game changer. <laughs> you're not, you're not uh, bullish on uh, that this is going to uh, be a big deal for them. Well, I think that, I mean, look, look, I think here's the thing, right? If Apple were in there, people in China would buy Apple through the Stock Connect, right? If, uh, I don't know, just pick another, you know, brand name, Louis Vuitton or whatever, these things would go and they would be bought by Chinese investors. But, but you know, it's, uh, these are second, third tier brands that are not particularly powerful just as brands on their own. And then why would you buy the stock? Hmm. You know, when you, when you are a retail investor, there are typically two reasons why you would buy stocks of companies. Right. One is you like the company, you understand it, its business, it's a leader in its sector and so on. And you become convinced that it will create value for you. That's one. A second case is, you know, you have a company that sells very successful consumer products, for instance, and lots of people buy the products of the company. And then some people go, OK, all right, well, I like the products, the company is doing well. Maybe I should buy the stock as well. And then the third, to some extent, is, but never to be ignored in China, is just pure speculation on the name, on the stock that you think is going to rock and roll. I don't see any of these three factors here on names such as Loxitan and, and Sansonite. Hmm. So I don't think this, this is a big surprise. I don't think it's going to get any better. Okay. Well, unless Apple decides to list in Hong Kong. For them, not for, not for the Stock Connect. It, you know, it's all about offering products that are attractive to your audience. Right. Whether you're a stock exchange or you're a consumer good company or anything. All right. That brings us actually to my second question, which is another new entrant to the program. This group of foreign companies was uh, Billy Billy, which is much better known to Chinese investors than uh, L'Occitane and, and Samsonite. Um, and actually, Billy Billy's stock got a, a big boost. It, it rose 22% in the first week when it was in the Connect program. I was going to ask why you think Billy Billy did so much better, but I guess the answer is that it's, it's much better known to Chinese people. Right. Yeah, they, they were actually part of a group of U.S. listed companies that have been doing second listings in, in Hong Kong. So the Connect program sort of serves a, a bunch of different purposes. A lot of the big Chinese tech names, like I think, I don't think Alibaba is available yet, but I think they maybe have applied to do it. Do you think this Connect program, you know, is, is going to be good for these offshore listed Chinese companies? 
Yeah, I mean, for the longest time, that they were prevented from being in the Stock Connect. I could never figure out why. I mean, I knew the exchange had a rule, and I think it had to do with profitability or whatever, or historical profitability. I don't remember, but it never made any sense to me. Hmm. These are, I mean, Billy Billy is obviously, uh, from a pure legal standpoint, it is a foreign company. It is incorporated in the BVI, I assume, or the Cayman Islands, like they all are. It has a BI structure, which is another different issue, but it is a Chinese company. It's a Chinese company. It's a Chinese business. It sells products in China to consumers in China. So it's obviously a very well known and understood company, if not stock. And therefore, there shouldn't be any surprise that people have been buying it, that Chinese investors have been buying it to the extent that I guess they would buy, let's assume Biden's uh, went public and they went public on the share market and not overseas, you know, plenty of Chinese retail investors would buy the stock as well, right? Mm. So I think this is just perfectly normal. Mm. And once again, it speaks to name recognition, familiarity with the stock, with the company, um, performance overall, market share, leadership in the sector. I think that uh, they benefit from all of that. Right, right, right. And I guess, I mean, in a way, it gives the Chinese companies the best of both worlds, right? Because they can trade overseas, uh, they can attract international investors who are, you know, looking beyond just the name familiarity, and then they can also be available to Chinese buyers who like to see the companies they're familiar with. Do you think that that'll make Hong Kong maybe a, a more desirable listing destination than, than say, the U.S., you know, where obviously these companies are inaccessible to Chinese investors? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, the one thing that comes to mind here, which I find a little bit intriguing, is you obviously know, you know, about Futu, and, and tiger brokers. And one of the things that those guys were doing is that they were basically enabling investors in China to buy stocks overseas, among others, stocks like Billy Billy. Hmm. And uh, a few months ago, the CSRC basically told them that they had to stop. They couldn't do that. Now, all of a sudden, through the backdoor called the Stock Connect, then retail investors in China are actually able to buy Bilibili stock, which is listed in the US, which is what some of them, I'm sure, were doing through Futu earlier, but that they cannot do anymore, any longer. Right. So this, this, I think, is a pretty interesting observation about what's going on in that world. Hmm. As to Hong Kong, well, the biggest issue that Hong Kong has to address and solve is liquidity. And uh, in in most of the stock listed in Hong Kong, if you exclude the likes of Alibaba, Tencent, JD.com, Nedis, there's very, very limited liquidity. That's been a problem for most institutional investors in the West. It's that it doesn't make sense at all for them to buy dual listed companies in Hong Kong because they just don't have the liquidity that they need to be comfortable that they can get out of an investment if they need to and when they need to without, you know, a major negative impact on the stock price. Right. You know, some of these listings have been there now for three years. None of that has been solved. And I don't know how to solve it, but as long as the Hong Kong Stock Exchange doesn't resolve that, they're going to continue to have problems. Now, maybe... 
maybe if you look at some very specific Chinese names, this stock connect hooked up basically to a dual listing of a US listed company may actually start providing uh, some sort of answer to the lack of liquidity. It's uh, very early to tell, we'll have to wait and see. And it's, I think in any case, gonna be very much on a case by case basis. Right, 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 because you have to be in the program. Okay, we'll wrap things up with that. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening uh, this week. Join us again next week for another edition of China Inc., when we'll look uh, one more time at the latest trending China business topics. Hope to see you then. Goodbye for now. Thank you all. Goodbye.